0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. This week we have an interview with Chip Bouvet, talking about his entry into the Hava Game Design Contest. And there'll be no episode next week while I rework the show format, so stay tuned for the new format in two weeks. For contests, the Hippo Dice Contest has just started up. Submissions are due October 3rd. The Terminal City Tabletop Convention Contest, the Golden Arbitus, is due october 1st and the game crafter has the game hole dungeon crawler due august 15th the manhattan project dice challenge due september 12th and the hidden movement challenge due october 23rd you can find links to everything mentioned this episode at theboardgameworkshop.com that does it for the news now on to the interview i'm here with chip bouvet who came to talk about the haba game design contest chip welcome back to the show
1: Hi there, thank you very much.
0: Why don't you give us a quick explanation of what the HABA contest is and how it started, and then we'll go from there.
1: Sure. Uh, so a couple of months ago, um, I saw probably on Twitter um, that HABA was doing a game design contest. And the way it worked is you would they would send you a random assortment of bits from different HABA games, and then you had to create a game based on how you were ins- how those bits inspired you. Um, so it seemed really interesting. Um, I think there was like a minimal cost to get the bits sent to you, um, and then after that you were sort of off on um, designing a game. And the deadline is about ten days from when we're recording this now. Uh, it's the end of July. And basically you need to send them um, the bits that you're using along with the rules for your game and any other uh, incidental bits. Basically everything they would need to play the game. And so it was a very short time frame um, and lots of interesting restrictions. So that's that's what made it appealing to me.
0: Yeah, I know. I actually saw this on Twitter because you posted it, I believe. And... It was just three dollars shipping to get the bits, and basically your entry. Plus, you had to ship in your game, but the um, the packages they were selling they disappeared real quick, and a lot of people couldn't get them.
1: Yeah, I think that they had they had pre-made two hundred packages, um, and they all sold out really quickly. Uh, but then I think that they were at Origins, um, and at Origins they uh, they had more sets for people. Uh, for people to grab, I know that uh, in particular another designer, uh, Daniel Newman, said that that, um, that he went to the Haba booth um, at Origins and picked up his kit there so
0: yeah i 'm pretty sure at origins they were letting people choose from the box, so you got a little more control if you went that way
1: <laughs> see that's that 's neat, but I kind of like the restriction of um, I like the restriction to be random. Uh, I feel like if I got to pick, then I would just, you know, I'd end up getting into AP just trying to decide which pieces, um, you know, which pieces I thought would be the most interesting. And that's actually, that's, that's a good place to start um, because the components that I found most compelling initially um, ended up, I don't I don't think either of them actually made it into the final game, uh, or I shouldn't even say final, but into the game um, in the state where it's at now. Uh, So what happened was when I got the bits, I opened them all up, and my daughter, who's three, uh, looked through them, and I asked her to pick out which one was her favorite. And I watched sort of how long she spent with each one, which ones she was drawn to. Um, and when I asked her to pick out her favorite components, she picked out the pirates and the treasure chest. Um, so those were her picks uh, for me um, one of the one of the components was a it was sort of a um, a decoder ring so in other words, it had two discs, uh, one on top of each other. Um, that could rotate independently. And the bottom disc was labeled one to 10. And then there was another disc on top of that that was labeled one to 10. And then actually there's a third layer on top of that. Um, So that to me was very interesting because it made me think about uh, escape rooms um, that are really popular now and uh, deduction puzzles. Uh, And then I took the bits um, to the uh tabletop gamers alliance uh quarterly and i was just sort of showing showing them off to people i showed them uh to kimberly who was there and when i showed her the dice there are three big chunky dice and they have uh six colors on them and when she saw them she was like oh my god these are perfect and she picked them up and she was playing with them and rolling them around um, and i thought well you know when i initially saw the dice I recognized them as being a component of a game that my daughter already had uh, called Here Fishy Fishy. Um, so when I saw them, I just said, oh, those are the dice. I already know them. and I sort of put them aside in my mind, and I, I forgot about how it could make players' eyes light up to see these great, chunky components. Um, so that was sort of the, the third component that I decided, oh, this is something that I need to do, to do something with. Um, so I had the pirate figures, a uh, treasure chest, um, and the decoder ring and the chunky dice. And the concept, the first concept that I was thinking about was sort of an escape room, um, for kids. And then I kind of, um, I was kind of pulled into the deduction aspect of that and thought about, um, you know, obviously, Haba makes uh, family games, and so the the audience for this game would be generally either a group of kids all playing together, or a family playing together, where you have one or more adults and and children. And you know, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is um, the difference in you know the difference in skill level. Um, whenever you're designing for children, you know if even if you're targeting a very specific age range, um, there's a wide range of skill level um, within that. So I decided to, to focus on creating a one versus many game. And my idea is that um, the adult, or maybe if it's a group of kids, the oldest kid uh, would, would set a puzzle and then all of the other players would cooperate to solve that puzzle. Uh, So as an example, um, if you have a mom and dad and two kids, um, one of the parents will set the puzzle and the other parent will help the uh, the remaining kids solve that puzzle. Um, So it doesn't require that combination of people, um, but I figured there'd be one more experienced player uh, that could create the puzzle, and amongst the other players, there could be an uneven distribution of skill. Um, and because it's a cooperative game, that wouldn't really um, that wouldn't really pose a problem.
0: It sounds interesting. It reminds me of um, Mastermind. Which have you ever played Mastermind? That's I mean one of my favorite games growing up.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Actually, in a very early concept uh, document for this game, uh, I'm looking at it right now and. Mastermind Junior with a Pirate Theme. So that's sort of the, the elevator pitch of, um, of what I was going for. So the goal of the game is one player is Davy Jones. Uh, so the name of the game is Davy Jones Locker. Um, and at the beginning of the game, the Davy Jones player is the one who's setting the puzzle. Um, they take a set of... Um, a set of bits that are interconnected keys and locks. Um, so my idea for this are, uh, one of the hints that um, that someone from Haba Game gave, and I think this was actually on the instruction list, was we love wooden bits. Um, so one of the things I was thinking of is to have wooden keys that fit into um, sort of a wooden outline. So in other words, if you have a, a, a flat two-dimensional piece of wood and you cut out a key from that, then you have two pieces. You have, obviously have the key and you have the background of the key that's still in this um, sort of wooden, um, wooden rectangle. And so my idea is one of the components... So this is not a component that was provided by HABA. This is a component that I've um, envisioned as part of this game. Um, is a set of six of these blocks with different colored and different sized keys. So for example, the red key is the smallest. Um, orange key is slightly bigger than that. Yellow, green, blue and then purple would be the largest key. So the player that's setting the puzzle will take all of these and behind a shield they will organize the backs of the keys, or actually, they will organize the um, the rectangles in any order they want, and then they'll remove the keys and put them out for the other players. Um, so they have a puzzle which is the order of um of each of those colors. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. So that's basically the setup of Mastermind, right? Like they would set a color um pattern basically.
1: Yeah, so in Mastermind you have um you have the possibility I, I think I think there are different versions of Mastermind, but at least in one of them you have four different slots and then you could put one of six colors in each of those slots. Um but you're allowed to repeat so you could have all four red if you wanted um, and in mastermind there isn't the concept of um, there isn't the concept of different sized pins um, so the only thing that makes the pins unique is their size um, and the reason that the size of the keys matters is because um, when you present as a player, when you present a key to the, um, to the Davy Jones player, to the Puzzle Master, you'll say, I'm going to try to put, for example, the orange key in the second lock. And then Davy Jones gives you a reply, either it fits, it's too small, or it's too big. Now, if it's too small and it's the orange key, then you know that the red key which is even smaller is not going to fit. So you're able to do some deduction and obviously the keys that are in the middle of the spectrum are more valuable because they can knock out more um, possibilities quicker than um, the smallest and the largest key. Um, So this sounds sort of like a lot <laughs> you know for a kids game however there is a um, there is sort of a, a deduction pad that has a chart of here are the different locks and here are the different colors um, and then you use this to indicate okay if I've discovered that the blue lock fits in the in uh, the blue key fits in lock 3, then I can eliminate all the other colors in this this column for lock 3, and I can eliminate all the other locks in this row for the blue key. Um, So you get sort of the satisfaction of of deduction, of having fewer and fewer possibilities, and then working with the other players on your team, um, you know, to make plans like, oh, you know, you have the yellow key, uh, let's guess that for lock two next, and that'll you know knock out all of these possibilities.
0: So the are the key sizes, are they close enough that you can't really distinguish them by looking?
1: So the the whole the the holes for the keys are hidden behind a shield.
0: So they stay hidden the whole game.
1: Exactly. Um, I did think now there's a lot of possibility here for. Um, some really interesting mechanical design um, where you could have, um, I don't even think it would have to be electronic, but you could have like a physical box that, um, you know, when you put the key in, you get some sort of indication that, oh this is too small or this is too big, without um, you know, without being able to say, oh this is, this is the blue lock without actually um, you won't know that it's a blue lock until you actually put the key into it Um, but that that's a little bit more sort of advanced um, component engineering that's really sort of the deduction puzzle is really the heart of the game Um, but in addition to that to use the to get the pirate figures and the treasure chest in there there's also a map, uh, which is like a cross-section of a pirate ship. And so players are, other than Davy Jones, um, the other players are moving around the map to collect keys. Uh, and then when they get into the same spot, a so treasure chest, they can then try their keys um, uh, and then see if they fit.
0: So how do they move around to collect the keys? What's the... Is that where the dice come
1: in? No. Um, So actually the dice being, the dice again were one of the interesting components. And one of the things I was thinking about is, well, you could move into a room and then roll a die and that would tell you uh, what color key you would find in that room. Um, However, there's already a lot of, you know, that sort of distracts from the, I know I want to get, like, when you get to the point where you say, all right, I figured out where the yellow key goes, to me it would feel frustrating to have to wander around a ship (laughs) and keep rolling a die and being like, oh, okay, you know, most of the faces on this die I do not want or they're not going to help me. Um, And I don't want to lose the game because I wasn't able to roll yellow, um, you know, on this die given three or four chances. Um, so, so the movement. So on the map, um, it's actually indicated. In each, each room has a key that's associated with it. So you go into, um, you know, you go into the uh, the the hold, and that's where um, one of the yellow keys is. So you could just go in there, get the key, and then move out. Um, one of the things that does sort of advance the game. And also gives the Davy Jones player uh, something to do um, is that over time the ship will sink, uh, so the lowest level of the ship, about a third of the way, of third of the way through the game, uh, will get covered with water, and then you, that's impassable. You can't go to any of those rooms. Now, in you know, the distribution of keys is such that even at the end of the game where there's only one level remaining before the ship sinks, um, you'll still be able to get all of the keys. Um, but it does, it puts a little pre- uh, pressure on the, um, on the players that are cooperating. Um, and it also is a very nice, natural, thematic um, way to push the game to an ending.
0: So the game ends when the ship sinks? or when they find all the keys?
1: Exactly. So either they'll, um, you know, finding the keys and getting the keys is, is relatively easy, but using the, figuring out which locks are in which order um, to unlock the chest is really the, the challenge of the game. So if they, um, if they deduce uh, which key is required for each of the six locks, um, then as soon as they've done that, they've unlocked the, the treasure chest and they win. Um, if the sink if, if the ship sinks before they have a chance to do that, um, then they lose, and that's the the other ending of the game. So
0: what's what's the mechanism that they move around the ship? Is that just choice or?
1: Yeah, that that's just choice. Um, you have each player on their turn has um, two movement steps. Yeah, so you either move to an adjacent room that um, that shares a, a side or um, you can, uh, I need a more thematic word for this, but you can use a secret passage. You can basically teleport to another room that matches the same key color that you're in. Um, So you can secretly, um, you know, scuttle from one purple key room to any other purple key room um, and then move from there. Uh, My intention is that the movement is actually optional um, but I got a I got a note from uh, a group that's playtesting this uh, where it was clear that it was not clear in the rules that the movement was optional. And that led to an interesting endgame scenario where they, they couldn't win because it was just one away. So, um, and then each time... So when a player lands on the chest, uh, they can then try to fit one of their keys into the lock Um, if they're successful then they could try another key so they can keep trying keys until um until they're wrong and after that the davy jones uh, player magically moves the treasure chest to any other empty room of the ship so there's a little bit of sort of cat and mouse of you know the cooperative team can Stay fairly spread out so that any of them can get to the chest quickly. Um, and the Davy Jones player obviously is trying to keep the chest away from them.
0: Does each player hold the key they collect? Or is it basically the group has the keys so any player getting to the chest can use all the keys they've collected?
1: Um, so the keys belong to the individual players. Um, you're restricted to only having, only carrying two keys. So if you would pick up a third key, instead you give it to another player.
0: For each puzzle, you have to use all six keys.
1: Uh, yes. So the puzzle is going to be, um, the puzzle is going to be a set of six locks. I suppose it's actually one way that you could, um, you could sort of trim down the difficulty. Uh, would be to have fewer locks, um, or alternately have more time. Um, but the game does. The, the game does go pretty quickly, especially uh, when you find the first key that fits in a particular lock. I mean, it's
0: pretty standard with deduction games. Once you get a foothold, it gets a little easier and a little easier.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So what's the Davy Jones player do? So they set up the puzzle at the beginning, and you said they move the treasure chest if... Someone fails, but what else do they do?
1: Yeah, that's actually that's actually interesting. Um, the Davy Jones player is also is essentially um, running the game. Uh, you could almost think of it as sort of a game master in a role playing game, where they're not. They need to, um, they need to respond to each of the players' attempts to unlock, uh, unlock the the treasure chest. Um, But, and as I mentioned there, they're moving the treasure chest around, but for the most part, this is not a, the challenge for the Davy Jones players all in the setup. Um, That's sort of the most interesting thing that they're going to do. One of the things I considered was allowing the Davy Jones player to decide how the ship um, gets flooded. Um, so the way it is in the game is that there are three levels, um, from the bottom of the ship to the top of the ship, and at a, after three rounds, um, the bottom level, uh, gets filled with water, and then after three more rounds, the middle level, um, gets filled, and then at three rounds after that, the game is over. Um... So one of the things I thought about was well Davy Jones could select um, you know with some restrictions in mind which of the rooms get flooded and in which order um, but that that added complexity to the game um, and I wasn't sure I, I thought I really wanted to keep it a little bit more simple.
0: I was just thinking what if the Davy Jones player had like some character that they got to move on the ship. I'm thinking maybe a ghost for theme wise, but I don't know. But just something so they can do something on a turn. Maybe nothing even very powerful game wise. But I feel, I think if you have the parent running it, I don't see any problem. Like they could just sit back and run it and, you know, have the kids have fun. But if it's a situation where it's kids playing with other kids, I feel like, like even if they're the slightly older kid, they'd still want some interaction so they don't disengage
1: yeah that's true um i think in, in the case of a in the case of an older kid um there's there's something to be said for the joy of outsmarting um either other kids or even your parents uh so if a kid were had played this game a number of times then they could you know they could be trusted to uh provide the correct responses um, then they might really enjoy playing the, the J.B. Jones uh, role. Um, and as far as a parent, you know, as you mentioned, you know, a parent would be interested in, um, you know, in making sure that the rest of the family has a good time. There's actually, I don't know if you saw this, there was an article, I think it was in, it was in the book Rules of Play, um, but it's also available. It's also available online, and it's about. It's it's the same theme actually. It's it's a pirate theme, um, but it's about the creation of a Pirates of the Caribbean, um, 3D experience for Downtown Disney. And I've actually played this. So basically, what they have is they have sort of a. A virtual reality room, um, which has a physical deck of a pirate ship, and there are different roles for the group that's experiencing it. Um, so there's a, you know, so there's obviously a, a giant wheel for someone to steer the ship, and there there are cannons that you can fire. Um, and I think there are a couple other roles. Um, on the ship. And one of the things that they noticed when they started testing it with families is that the kids would go straight to the cannons and the parents would sort of hang back. And the, you know, the, the kids were interested in, I want to play this game and I want to like shoot stuff and I want to be like all sort of action oriented. And the parents wanted to be in a position where they could see everyone and make sure that everyone was having a good time. Um, So they specifically designed the game to have the the person that was steering the ship is able to see all of the other players. And the steering of the ship doesn't actually matter. (laughs) So in other words, the game is predetermined. You know, it's basically on rails. It's predetermined where you're going to go and what you're going to encounter, and I think there's, there are you know some you know maybe two or three branches that different things could happen if you come back and play it again, um, but they created this role specifically for a player um, to be able to see everyone else and to be able to make sure that everyone else is having a good time, and what they actually did in the game was was less important, and that's really. Um, Part of the inspiration for keeping the Davy Jones player um, to, to keeping their role really simple, um, because I'm thinking that that player's motivation is is not so much to, um, you know, maybe a little bit to uh, to prove how smart they are and, and, and come up with a puzzle for the other players to solve, um, but certainly, when it's an adult in that role, um, they're really they're really just setting up to uh, to see that the rest of the family has this experience.
0: Well, that sounds really interesting, and I look forward to getting a chance to play it if we meet up at a con, but we are out of time. Anything you want to say before we close up?
1: So one thing I would mention is I do have a print and play version of this available. Um, so there's a little bit. Obviously, you know you're not going to have the little pirate guys, um, but you can, you know, or well, maybe you have pirate figures that you can uh, that you can use. But it's a pretty straightforward um, print and play. Uh, you can use dice for the uh, for the different dials for keeping track of things, um, and it's really only uh, a few pieces of paper to print out. So uh, you don't have the interlocking key and lock wooden pieces obviously um, but there's uh, there's a lot that you could do so if this if this sounds like uh, an interesting game that you'd like to try and especially um, you know I, I'm especially interested in feedback not only for the for the purposes of the of the contest but also um, just in developing this idea in general uh, then uh, I'll, probably the best way to reach me is on Twitter. Uh, I am at the, T-H-E, underscore symbol, flying sheep. That's F-L-Y-I-N-G-S-H-E-E-P.
0: Cool. I'll put links to all that in the show notes. And good luck with the contest. And thank you for coming on the show.
1: Great. Thank you very much.
0: That does it for this episode. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find it on Twitter, at the BG Workshop. On Facebook.com slash The Board Game Workshop and email the at gmail.com. Show notes are on theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening.